Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. Be sure to hit subscribe so you get a good mood every single week. Today, we're talking with my dear friend and my old coach from way, way back, Wally Bressler, who wrote the book Tragic Hero. Wally, welcome to the show, my friend. Great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. I, I was trying to do the math when we were talking. I think I've known you for almost 12 years. Yeah, man. And, and really, really, your coaching is part of the reason that our entire company took off. And I, I owe a lot to you, man. You were really vulnerable in the way Thank that you. you coached back then. And, and I know you're really vulnerable. And, and we've got a great show today for our listener. Mm -hmm. Specifically, yeah. what you're going to learn from Wally today is what he calls radical self-acceptance. And, um, and, and Wally's going to get into it, but be sure to stick around to the end because he's got an exercise that just takes a note card. And with a single note card, he's going to show you how you can pull up the roots of any unhappiness and replace it. Uh, Wally's also got a free gift for you. He wrote the book, Tragic Hero. We're going to give you the chapter of that book on how to take radical <clears throat> responsibility. And he's going to teach you how you can eliminate any victim mentality. And that's so important because the victim mentality is really the root of our suffering. Wally's a good friend. He's a coach. He's a speaker. He's the founder of the Trigger Sales System. Wally, man, let's uh, let's dive in, brother. Let's do it. So I think the best place to start is at the beginning. I think that makes the most sense because it kind of unfolds along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, let's go into radical self-acceptance. So, so so, what? why okay. is this important and what does it even mean? You know, I, having gone through this myself, you know, I spent most of my life, probably the first, 50 years of my life not liking myself because of the things I had been through, because of the things that I had done. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I've done some pretty crappy things in my life, not because I'm a malicious person or that I wanted to hurt people. I was just in a lot of pain and a lot of decision based in pain and fear always, almost always the wrong decision, if that makes sense. So I did a lot of things that I was ashamed of, that I was, I felt guilty about. And it was hard for me to actually accept that I did those things that I was a person I was today because I did that. Well, who, so, who hasn't though? Who, ha who hasn't done things that they're nope. ashamed of? I certainly oh, have, yeah. man. I've, I agree. I've, I've hurt people. I've had yeah. low, I've had low integrity. I've done awful things. Right. And, and today what we're talking about is, yeah, we have all mm -hmm. of us. There, there, right. Anyone who's not admitting that they've done awful things to other humans is, mm -hmm. is not being radically honest and they don't have oh. self-acceptance because they're in denial. Right. So, and that's where a lot of that pain comes from too, is not accepting it and not owning it. Right. I mean, does that make sense? You know, when you, when you, when you take radical responsibility, when you own, or I say radical honesty and you own what you did, you know, I kind of use two fists. I'm like, you know what, this is for me. You know what? I did a lot of bad stuff. You know, I, I blew millions of dollars. I was unfaithful to my ex-wife. I went to federal prison. 
I was a liar most of my life. I put my children in a bad place. You know, I, I got to the point where I wanted to commit suicide. Like I have to accept responsibility for all those actions. Does that make sense? Yes. But at the, but at the same time, I've got to put in my head and my heart that says, you know what? I had, I made a lot of bad decisions because I was not happy, because I was sad, because I was hurting, because I didn't get a lot of good guidance in my life. And my decisions that I made, my actions were rooted in pain and in sadness and trying to make that pain go away. I have to accept responsibility for it, but it's not because I'm a mean, hurtful, nasty, bad person, but because I just had horrible, horrible upbringing and I had a bad operating system that led me to go ahead and make the pain go away in some very disempowering and not good ways. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. The the reality is you did the very best you could. Yep. That is a hard thing to accept that, man, that, it, you know, I was awful and that was the very best I could do. Mm-hmm. You know, my ego will say, no, I could have done better. I, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't need to cheat on that girlfriend. I could have not, you know, I could have been better. Well, the, re- the reality is, is that I did cheat on my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And that was the very best I could do. If I could have done better, I would have. Yep, absolutely. For me, this was part of my self-acceptance is is that the ego wants to like hold our mistakes we made over our head and say, man, you suck. You could have done better. You knew better. But the, the real reality is we have always done the very best we could every single moment of our life. Mm-hmm. I think Teddy Roosevelt put it best. He says, you do what you can where you are with what you have. Right. I can't I can't do something that, you know, if I don't have the skill set to deal with a specific strategy or an emotion, then I'm just not going to deal with it the way maybe it needs to be dealt with. But that's also how we learn, right? That, you know, going through these experiences and experiencing the pain and the uh and the anguish and the sadness and the rejection, you know, and if you're willing enough to uh, be transparent with yourself and other people and accept those things and all those things become apparent and then you can start working on them. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Yeah. And and we're talking about an integrity issue. If I'm not willing to accept that I, the things that I've done as the best I could do, then I start to lie about the things I did because I'm ashamed of them. And then that creates more integrity issues because I'm lying to everyone, including myself. And if I'm not accepting myself, I certainly cannot accept anyone else in the world. Yep. You know, there's a very, very strong need to be liked uh, in this world. 60% of all salespeople have a very, very strong need to be liked. And it's okay to want to be liked. It's okay to want to be included. I mean, we're, we're social people. We want to be part of groups. I mean, it's just the way we're, we're wired. But when that need for approval gets in the way of you having meaningful relationships with people, if it gets in the way of you being productive in your business and in your life, and then it causes you to start lying because you feel like you're letting people down or avoiding certain situations because you don't want to be rejected, that's when it becomes a huge problem. Right. And so, you know, and, and, and literally the, the moment you accept who you are, what you did and realize, as you said, that this is the best you can do it literally, it's so freeing and it'll change your life forever. And, you know, put you in a good mood, give you the chance to put yourself in a good mood. You're not just going to go, I accept this and all of a sudden be happy. There'll be work to be done, but at least, mm-hmm. you know, awareness is the, is, is the starting point of any change. Yeah. And we think we're going to, I think I'm going to get away with it by lying I think I'm going to lie about it. I'm going to hide it. And then I'm going to get away with it. If you, because the reality is if I was truthful, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll just go back to the example of me cheating on a girlfriend. If I was truthful with her, uh, and you know, that I did cheat and I did, she may leave me. There's a consequence to that. So Mm -hmm. if I lie about it, I think I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting away with something, but we get away with nothing. 
you know, we think we can beat ourselves up with guilt. This is how I, I dealt with it. I'm like, oh, I'll just beat myself up for cheating. And yeah. then that'll atone for the terrible decision that I made. And yeah. then she'll never have to find out. Um, but the, the truth is, is that because I was beating myself up with guilt, I, I was adding darkness to my personality. I was making myself feel worse. And then when we feel awful, we do more awful things. So that was leading me into drug addiction. And mm -hmm. then the drug addiction was making me more like less energized. And so then I didn't want to work out or like hang out during the day. And so it's like this downward spiral where, you know, we're going to, we're talking about radical self-acceptance, also radical self-honesty. Mm -hmm. Sometimes That's we have to just part. come clean Face the music, and from that place, we can start to build back with integrity. You know, that radical honesty really is the first step. It, it has to be. And, you know, awareness, you know, you can't hit a target unless you can see it. You can't solve a problem unless you're aware of it. You know, I think a lot of people think like, they don't think like what they think like when they go to the doctor. They don't say, hey, I have a headache. And the doctor says, okay, let's operate. Right? The doctor is going to ask you a bunch of questions to find out exactly what the problem is so he or she can solve the right problem. And a lot of people don't want to face the truth because of the pain, not realizing that the pain that they are perpetuating in their life and the lives of other people that love them is actually 10 times worse. And as you said, will continue to grow and will be even more painful. And that's where the addiction comes in. I saw an ad on TV about a guy who owned a recovery center. And I remember these words, Crystal Clear, he says, when people say they have an addiction, I don't ask them why the addiction, I ask them why the pain, right? Mm. And because, you know, basically when we feel the pain, we go into avoidance procrastination, perfectionism, self-sabotage, um, imposter syndrome, drugs, alcohol, sex, cigarette, you know, it, and, and it's just really, it's an avoidance strategy that we you know, get involved in to make that pain go away. But unfortunately, not for, unfortunately, our brain has a very simple job to keep us alive, to keep us at peace, to provide us certainty. And the more we push it down, the more our brain's going to try and bring it back up. And then it becomes this like battle. Okay. And I'm not drinking pain goes away. It's comes back. Your friend's like, no, we got to deal with this, you know? And so, um, it's, 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 it's definitely a self, it's self-perpetuating and it gets worse and worse. And, 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 and here's the thing, everybody will either have to deal with it or they're going to die. Okay. Or so once going to happen, you're going to deal with it. You're going to have a nervous breakdown to the point where you were like, where I wanted to put it down on my mouth, where I couldn't deal with the pain anymore. Or you're going to drink yourself to death, eat yourself to death, smoke yourself to death and not deal with it. But those are the three options. You deal with it. Yep. You'll be forced to deal with it, do some extremely overwhelmingly emotional situation, or you're just not going to deal with it. Eventually, you're either going to die or you're going to want to kill yourself. Man. Hey, if you love to stay in good moods as much as I do, be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Good Mood Show podcast. That way, we could get you a good mood every single week. And look, if you know someone else that could use a good mood, Share the show with them. Send them a text message. Let them know about the Good Mood Show and let's brighten up the world. We're being radically honest here today. So Wally, take us into the darkness, man. You know, tell, yep. tell me, you know, you said you went to federal prison, you know, t just talk, talk about how you hit rock bottom and, and how, how you started yeah. to turn around. So, you know, I, here's the thing. Most of our belief systems and what we believe to be true about ourselves, our identities, our hidden identities are formed really by the time we're seven or eight, but definitely between the time we're born and when we're 12. Okay. And what led to all those terrible things that I didn't experience as an adult were started when I was a kid. I mean, I, I had a binge eating disorder starting at the age of six. One of my punishments from my parents was to be sent to bed without dinner when I was three, four or five, six years old. So it, being scared of not being able to eat. Now, again, you know, to your point, 
my parents did the best that they could. They were good people. They just weren't good parents. They did you know, what they got from their parents. So, you know, I grew up in an Italian family. So the communication strategies in an Italian family are you get yelled at, you get hit, and you get food. So it's one of those things, <laughs> right? That's just how it is, right? So um, then I was sexually abused by an extended family member when I was 10. Um, I started looking at my father's pornographic magazines when I was 11. And by the time I was 12, I was having way more sexual experience and contact than anybody my age should be. During that whole time, I was bullied mercilessly. And so by the time I was 13, 14, like my, I had no self-esteem. I did not like myself. I lived in a state of anxiety. And I went from being the person who was getting hurt to the person who was hurting. And so with a period of my life, lots and lots of unfulfilling relationships with women, uh, I did become a liar. I lacked integrity at, at a very high level for the majority of my life until I was about 50. Um, and then, you know, I, I started becoming, you know, so I was addicted to sex, pornography, and food. And then I had an addiction to money when I started working and was using money to get people to like me and to continue to build up this, this external image of me being happy because I was miserable. Um, and it's funny because I had a really good life. You know, I graduated at a high level in my high school. I played football in college, led it all four years, graduated from a great college, was making a hundred grand a year by the time I was 28 back in 1998, you know, got married four kids, but inside I was literally destroying my life. And so to the whole world though, you hit every success metric to to the whole, to the whole world. And that, because that's what, that's what we were caring about. I was, you know, uh, you know, you, my story is not your story, but I also, to the outside world, it looked like I had everything, I, yep. you know, and this is what you're saying. And but this is what we do. We want to show everybody we've got it together to like cover up the cracks. You yeah, know, literally. Like we're just putting yeah. putty on all the cracks in our psyche. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So just, but the cracks keep coming. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they're still, they're still there. We can't cover them up with enough success, nope. enough money, enough awards. Nope. It just doesn't, nope. it just doesn't do it. The way it was explained to me is that I was doing that to outrun my shame. Yeah. And so, um, me too. Anyways, man. I, I, the same, I, I yeah. built up, I built up a real estate company with my name on billboards and on the side of a building and all these people following me to like prove that I was enough because I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And then, and that's where the self-sabotage comes in because externally we're doing all these things, but internally we're, we're fighting ourselves and saying we're not good enough. And, you know, as Rick Carson calls it and taming your gremlin, that gremlin keeps coming back and saying, Nope, come on back here. We're not, we're not that person. We're not good. So yeah. And, we, started, and it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy too. And I, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, true. but there's, if there's a gremlin in there and there wasn't me that says you're not good enough, well, then I have to manifest experiences that prove that I'm actually not good enough. Yeah. I have to sabotage everything that's good everything. because I do have everything. this belief that I'm, I don't deserve it. And so I have to make it crumble. This was me cheating on my girlfriend. Literally. Yep. And it's all, yep. And like to, to your point earlier, the truth always comes out because it always does. So anyway, I got married. I married the wrong person, but so, so did she. I ended up cheating on her four times. I blew through millions of dollars, probably four or $5 million in my lifetime. And I was doing real estate investing in 2005 and 2006, not paying attention to the details. And so my former business partner lied at about $15, $15 million worth of mortgages. And even though I wasn't trying to steal any money, I was involved with something where money was stolen from banks and I had to accept responsibility for being there. So I, um, I, got, I spent 366 days in federal prison for one count of mail fraud. And then... You know, you would think that prison would be rock bottom because it's a pretty crappy place, right? <laughs> but, but but for me, it wasn't. I, I really, only, the only thing I worked on was losing weight. I lost about 130 pounds, which I probably gained back. In fact, when I went to prison, I weighed about 475, 480. I left at about three something. 
And, um, and then I met somebody in 2014 and I so badly wanted to be loved and I so badly wanted to be in a relationship, but I hadn't worked on anything. And, and basically I just let all the toxic things and red flags keep coming. We dated for four and a half years. I gave her an engagement ring. She took it and she wouldn't move to Texas because she lived in another state. And, and I finally broke up with her. And a week later, I found out that she had lied to me about everything she told me for the entire time. And she was actually still married mm. the whole time we were together. Ouch. And for me, that was that was like the last bad decision I could handle. Does that make sense? The pain yeah. was so much. And um, a month later, it was in October of that year. And I was actually sitting right here where I'm sitting. I used to have a um, like a nice soft chair. And I was sitting there, I'm looking out the window of my garage and I can see the light. And I'm thinking about how am I going to kill myself? Wow. I'm a convicted felon. I don't have a gun. I was thinking of slitting my wrists. I was thinking of taking medication. And I'm thinking of all these things. And I'm like crying and you know all of a sudden it was like god tapped me on her shoulder he's like hey you know remember when you were 23 and your dad died now horrible it was for your family like you got four kids bro like you can't do this to them mm. and i was like yeah that makes sense and then i i went on a you know a very painful journey of discovery really just you know working through no lie probably 49 years of pain and sadness and anger you know, I think we talked about this earlier. You know, my counselor was like, hey, tell me about the happiest day you had in your life. And I sat there for 10 minutes and I said, I don't think I've ever had a happy day. And wow. I really hadn't had a happy day for that long. You know what I'm saying? So literally the last four years of my life have been the best and happiest years of my life. Woo! Yeah, right. No, which is, you know, and, and I mean, it's, it's, I get goosebumps thinking about it, but, you know, but, you know, we talked about this earlier. I, you know, I, I had enough leverage points so many times in my life to make the changes. I just never let myself look at them. And I think that's where the whole radical honesty thing comes. You got to stop and look at it and say, okay, oh, ooh, that's a problem I've got to deal with. Because if I don't deal with it, things are going to get worse. But you know, when, I, I was when, just, as you were telling your story, uh, um, I've, I've been really contemplating this one idea. Uh, and it's that what looks like a loss to the ego is a gain for the soul. Period. God sent you that deceitful relationship so that you could get so down mm -hmm. that you, it was finally enough discomfort that mm -hmm. you said, I've got to do something different. Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing else was shaking up the psychology no. to, to actually gain some happiness. And it, it took that like awful pain to finally say, all right, man, either I'm going to end it or I got to live totally different. And you totally change yep. your whole paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that, that, that's where the radical honesty comes in. That's where you're like, you know what? you are a train wreck, my friend, friend, like you have to take a look and take stock of everything. And in fact, you know, it's interesting. Um, it took me about nine months, but I remember I was having a conversation with Kelly. Her name's Kelly. I talk about her in my book. She basically helped turn my life around. We worked twice a week for two and a half years. I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff, but I remember I was having a, con a conversation with her and I kept thinking about what are all these people going to think of me when, you know, they know I'm, I'm a, I'm a convicted felon and I cheated on my wife and I was sexually abused and just looking at all the shame points in my life. And I went and sat on my couch that night and I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what happens anymore. And I just got on social media and I just told my entire story. Wow. So there's a, there's a 17 minute video on my, on my, my, my group where I just sit there and I just tell everything. I just tell the whole story. And from that minute on, when I was radically honest and radically transparent, like starting the next day, I could literally feel that everything was lifted from me. And it really gave me the opportunity to be okay. You know what? It is what it is. And I just have to accept it. And as I move forward and accept it, life just got better and better and better. And then I was able to write a book. And then I was on a TV show sharing my story. And I've been coaching people. And I'm not saying that, you know, 
that was the minute my life changed, but it really was like, it was the, the, the tipping point where I finally was able to just sit there and give myself the grace and, 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 and the peace that I needed to say, okay, you know what? It is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to accept it. And people are either going to like you or they're not. And if they don't, there's nothing you can do about it. And that literally was the starting point of, of my happiness. It really was. Wow, man. Thank you for, thank you for sharing and being so vulnerable. My uh, pleasure. And, and so now it's all off your chest. There's no more hiding. Mm. Uh, I, I just saw the best I, part, all the power goes away. No power out there. Yeah, you can't, like, you can't, you uh, can't say anything to me. That's going to hurt me. Not just cause I, I'm not going to let you, but I accept it all. I did it all. Everything you want to say it, I did it. I'll accept it. I love and that, that man. It's like, eight, so it's like eight it's miles. So Remember when rabbit is up on stage and he's so worried because they're, they're going to make fun of him for living with his right. mom in the trailer park right. and have a spaghetti on his shirt or whatever else, right. or, you know, getting punched out by his girlfriend and having a black eye. Like all of a sudden he gets up in the last rap battle and he says mm-hmm. all those things. He yeah, says, I live, with, spaghetti, right? yeah, I live with my mom and, yep. and I, I got punched out by my girlfriend and, yep. you know, and then all, and then all of a sudden they couldn't say anything about no. him to diss him because he had already owned it all. And right. then, I, and then he won that, he won that rap battle. I didn't want to interrupt you. I want to share something. What's interesting. And, you know, Kristen Neff, she's the author of, she's a doctor and uh, she's a doctorate in, 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 in human emotion, but she has a book called, um, self-compassion, the art of, 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 of caring for yourself. And she said, self-compassion is basically you giving yourself the same compassion you would offer to somebody else. And she says, there's three elements of that, but the big, the first element is isolation versus um, common humanity. You, you, we talked about this, like the part of the reason things get ugly and start spiraling is because we isolate ourselves because of that shame. We don't want to be around anybody. We don't want anybody to see us, but when you engage in common humanity and you start talking to people who've gone through what you've gone through or have experienced similar emotions, been felt shameful and felt guilty, she says, the it is so freeing because you realize you're not the only one going through that. And I, you know, I, I literally, I, I recorded that video at night and I put it up and I went to bed and I came up and the next morning I had like 450 comments from people who were like, oh my God, I can't believe you shared that. I didn't know that about you. I'm so glad you shared that with me. And I think if we were actually to w- willing to share and be open and vulnerable with people, we would be shocked at how much empathy and care and love and, 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 and whatever else we needed from somebody who would show up and say, man, I love that rather than, oh my God, you're a scumbag. How could you do that? And I, it's, it's so powerful. Well, you know, the only one judging anyone is the person that's judging themselves and doesn't and doesn't fully accept themselves. So we're afraid of this self-judgment and and that and, and if we and I'm sure there are people. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's somebody listening to this show now that's like, man, you cheated on on your wife it, with four different people. Matt cheated on his girlfriends and you know and and, and man like like you're you're going to take your like all all the things you've said. I'm sure there's somebody that's like that's not okay, man. You're not okay. And in the person who's thinking that way has a lot of self-judgment and they don't accept themselves. Mm-hmm. It's the people that fully accept themselves and own themselves that then just love you for how much courage sure. it takes freaking courage. Legit. R- ridiculous courage to get up and say, "Here's all the skeletons in my closet, all of them." And I, I'm getting this off my chest so that I can live with integrity from this moment forward. And man, I just applaud that kind of courage. So there's a, a thing called the Jahari window. Have you heard of the Jahari window? I've heard of it. I don't know that I could explain what it is to you, however. It's uh, four quadrants. So okay. uh, the first quadrant in the top left, you've got known to others and known to self. And so mm-hmm. that's what you did. You said, 
hey, I know to myself that I went to prison and I cheated and I um, had addictions, but everyone else doesn't. And so your, mm -hmm. your Jahari window, this is your window, your open area, that's where your happiness lives, was really mm -hmm. small. And then the bottom left quadrant is known to self, but not known to others. And that's the hidden area. That's our facade where we're putting forth, uh, I'm making over a hundred thousand a year. And I was top scholar at my school and I played college football, let four year letterman, look how mm. great I am. Like I drive, drive the right car. I say the right things. Well, that's a facade. The facade is where our suffering is. And so when we open up Denial. that Jahari window, we start to gain happiness. Now there's another quadrant and it's the top right, and it's known to others, but not known to ourselves. That's called the blind spot. I see that. <laughs> and with the blind spot, so the one, the first, the, the bottom left window, we've just described beautifully how to open up this window by just, just letting all the skeletons out, you know, pornography addiction. I had, I had a pornography addiction as well. Um, and, but it, when you have the addiction, you're not going to share. <laughs> Especially not that one. I mean, that's if you need I mean, if you need help if you need help, you might share with somebody who can help you. I'm going to do a whole yeah. show on how to conquer that yeah. demon because I, mm -hmm. I do think uh, pornography is stealing the joy of of males in America and uh, women too. It's it's amazing how many women watch pornography too. I think you know we see it as a male problem, but it, you know because technically men are more visual, so the stimulation works better for them. But there are a tremendous number of women who actually suffer from it's 30, addiction to pornography. It's, it's 30%. 30% of women have a pornography addiction. Uh, yeah. It's 25% of all internet searches. That's for another show. And I'm going to I'm gonna get into that in, in, on another day. And I'm going to help a lot of people who don't understand the damage mm -hmm. that's creating in, in our psyche. The other part of the Jahari windows are blind spot. And it's we think we're great in this area, but other people know some things about us and they're not willing to share them because they think it would hurt our feelings. Stay tuned, man. Our blind spot, we can get that revealed by asking for radical honesty. And, and, and radical and transparency, you know, being transparent and giving people the opportunity to give us feedback. You asking know? for it. Mm -hmm. and, and, receiving and, they, it. and then receiving it without judgment, without biting their head off, without telling them they don't know what they talk, they're talking about. It's really good if we do this in, you know, some type of a, a format where we just say, Hey, uh, I'm looking for feedback, good and bad. Where could I improve? Mm -hmm. What am I doing? Well, and please don't hold back anything that you think I don't know about myself that, that you see, I want to know it. And man, it's hard to read. I, I've done this before. I remember uh, my wife came in and um, she and said- she'll give it to you straight too. Well, she wasn't, man. That's the thing. That's the thing about this Jahari window is it- I thought she did. She didn't come and give it to you straight. I she, was like no, 100% she did. She, she did, but she hadn't, she hadn't because she loved me so much. She didn't want to hurt me that she wasn't saying it until we did this process of, of showing me my blind spot. And she said, uh, she said, man, sometimes I feel like I'm walking around in eggshells around you, Matt. Like if I, if I say the wrong thing, you're going to bite my head off. Like I've got to do everything perfect and just make sure everything's just perfect for you. And, oh man, that hurt. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, wow, I had no idea that I was that much of a tyrant. And yet that was the feedback that was known to her, but not known to me that I had to hear so that I could start to make some changes in who I was. So Michael Reese, who we both know well, uh, recommended a book to me years ago. Uh, called Power Versus Force. 
Great book. First beginning's brutal though. The introduction, the beginning, the first chapter is like chewing freaking. Like, oh, it's hard. It's hard to read. It's like uh, chewing sawdust. But it's it's, amazing hard, it's hard to read. But his uh, his levels of consciousness, man. The first good mood that that he describes is radical self acceptance and radical honesty. It's the first good mood is what he calls courage. And courage is to live a life of integrity. And that's what we're talking about here. Until we have integrity, until we open this Jahari window and expose all of our skeletons and say, this is who I am and I'm not hiding. Until that moment, pride, our image, is the most important thing to us. And we will defend that image at all costs, including lying and stealing and cheating and doing all those other things. And then we self-sabotage because we know that we're not being honest with ourselves. And then this is this, this is the pride loop is where 80% of the world lives in below. And mm-hmm. so only 20% of the population, according to Hawkins research, ever gets to this place we're talking about in this podcast. But from yeah. that moment, from courage, from the courage to just expose here I am and I want to be better, we can then move to higher realms of mm-hmm. willingness, which is what we're talking about now. I'm willing to work out. I'm Mm -hmm. willing to stop eating and put the fork down. I'm willing to do the hard work. I'm willing to make my bed. That's willingness. And above willingness, then we say, Mm -hmm. well, now I'm willing to be loving. And love is one of the highest moods that we can possibly have. And from that point, Mm -hmm. we can move to unconditionally loving. I'm willing to love you no matter what you do. And and what you say. And from from unconditional love comes peace. And peace is the highest we can get. Um, but yeah, that, that because, book, that book changed, changed my life, man. And that's what we're talking about right now is, is getting to the place of courage. So if you're listening to the show, I highly recommend if there's a skeleton in your closet, you're not doing yourself any favors. No, I agree. And I didn't, I, sorry, I almost interrupted you there. I apologize. Um, two things. The reason that unconditional love is, is the highest form of happiness and peace is because it's built, it's rooted in acceptance. Because unconditional love means you accept somebody exactly as they are, where they stand with nothing to change. Now, that doesn't mean you keep somebody in your life that you don't, you know what I'm saying? I think people think they have to keep people in their lives if they don't accept them. If you don't accept somebody for who they are, then there's no reason to keep them in your life. But if you're going to have a happy, peaceful, loving relationship with yourself and somebody else and you want to get to unconditional love, that means I accept you with all your goodness and all your faults. So that's the first thing, right? Second thing is this. We live in a twisted society. Like we're so self-reliant and so self-resilient that our biggest strength as a society is also our biggest weakness. I don't need any help. I'm going to do this myself. Hmm. I'm going to build this up from the ground up. I'm going to show you that I don't need any help. But quite honestly, that's cowardice. That's not courage. Courage is vulnerability. Yeah. Courage is being willing to say, hey, I need help. I'm a big believer in asking people for help. And, and, and of course, I've done the thing where I can do it better than anyone. And of I don't need help. Well, but uh, Wally, you were yeah. one of my very first coaches. Yeah. And then and then from that moment, I saw how asking other people for help would really catapult everything I was trying to do. And, uh, and I'm a huge believer in coaching. I know you're, you're still a coach, but sure. let's yeah. get it. Let's get into the happy side. So talk okay. with me about how you have now realized that your happiness and positive emotions do not hang on the external experiences in your life. Yeah. Happiness is definitely an inside job for sure. And I think as soon as we stop looking for approval and acceptance from other people, and we realize that we are good enough the way that we are, that, that changes forever. You know, and I think gratitude plays a big part in that. I remember, um, you know, I, I was, I mean, literally, I went from, here's the thing. In 2014, I left prison with 54 cents to my name. Okay. I had lost a bunch of weight. I had no clothes that fit me. I had a, you know, a beat up pair of sneakers. I had a pair of shorts that had one shoelace and one, one like boot lace in it to hold me up. 
Um, I had no place to stay. I had to sleep on Jay Kinder's guest room. Jay and his wife had to feed me. They lent me their car. People from church gave me clothes. I mean, I got my job back and stuff, but I mean, I had, you know, I mean, I had two boxes of stuff that said I had to start all the way back from the beginning again, you know? And so, and then when I went to that thing with that woman, I went back to having almost nothing again. I mean, really that, that was a really tough five-year period, but here's the thing, you know, I, I worked really hard and, and, and really worked hard on changing myself. And, you know, last year I was able to be on a TV show. It was filmed in Times Square. And I remember it was pretty cool. You know, Nick Nanton, right? Obviously yeah. you did his book. So I took advantage of a couple of Nick's programs, his best-selling author program and his expert program. And so I was on a TV show that he hosts called Times Square Today. It's on national television and you're interviewed in Times Square. They ask you questions. And then I remember after I was done, I was over walking around and looking at Times Square and I was overwhelmed with this incredible sense of gratitude and peace. Like, just looking back at my life and saying, oh my God, I can't believe that I am here right now doing all this in light of everything that had happened in my life and all the things I did to hurt other people and myself. I am like so grateful and so at peace. And I had goosebumps because like, holy cow, like this is what it's like to, to feel good about yourself and to feel gratitude and realize that good things can't happen for you. And I literally was a huge moment of clarity. You know, I said a quick prayer, thanks to God, but it was, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it because it was something I'd really never felt before. I never felt grateful. You know what I'm saying? I feigned gratefulness, but, you know, here I am, or gratitude. I'm telling people I'm gratitude. I'm acting with gratitude. You know, I, th- I told this story, like, you know, I had a $440,000 house. I had a BMW. My now ex-wife had a town across the town and country. I was spending tens of thousands of dollars, but I wasn't grateful because I was cheating on my wife and I was, you know, running around spending money on food and watching pornography. And so, you know, this is really the first time in my life I, had, I, I felt at peace and I was literally happy about where I was and, and felt gratitude. And it was just that moment standing there on that veranda on, at, you know, at, at, in Times Square at, uh, at the Hard Rock Cafe. So we can just ask our subconscious, what is the source of my suffering? <laughs> and our subconscious, we have a note card in our pocket. And then one, and then one hour next to our bed stand, our subconscious will deliver the answer to us within 24 yeah. hours of what the source is. Or less. Or less. And then as soon as, as soon as we get that, we write it down and we say, aha. Yeah. And what am I going to do about it? It is, it yeah, may not, it. it was not my fault that this experience happened to me between nope. the ages of one and 12, but mm-hmm. it is my responsibility now that I'm an adult yep. to clean mm-hmm. it up. I, it, it happened to me. Mm-hmm. But it happened for me as well. We can get to yep, that in another, in another show. Yep. Um, but now it is my responsibility to do something about it so that I don't continue to self-sabotage. I don't continue to attract the same type of people. I don't continue to attract mm-hmm. the same results I don't want. Um, and I can start to do something that I do want. And anybody, 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 I don't care how much crap you went through because I went through a ridiculous amount of crap. I don't care what happened, when it happened, how long it happened. You can make it better for yourself. You can make it go away for good. One quick thing, when we go to bed at night, our subconscious is a very specific job, okay? It's like a little librarian. Remember the librarian would put all the books on the cart and walk around and put the books on the shelf? Yeah. That's what, you, that's what your brain does every night. It's like, okay, here's all these things that happened today. Here's all these things that happened in our lifetime. And it goes, oh, there's that, there's that. Oh, crap, I was, I was beaten by my father mercilessly when I was a kid and I still haven't dealt with that. Let's leave that on the floor. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> literally, okay, but, you know, and oh, you know, I was made fun of by kids and they just wouldn't leave me alone. Let's leave that on the floor. And so every night it does that. And eventually all that stuff on the floor piles up. 
And then it can't make sense of it. So the cart starts bumping into it. And that's why people have insomnia. They can't sleep well. And that's where the anxiety comes in and the depression because your brain, every time you feel an emotion that's disempowering, that's your brain saying, hey, we got something to deal with. Just like when we get a cold or we get an infection, our body's saying, hey, you got to deal with this. When you feel sad, depressed, anxious, whatever it is, that's your brain saying, hey, we've got something to attend to and let's attend to this. And you know, if you don't know where it is, let me help you find it. And once you find it, then you know what you can do to take care of it. And this this really brings us back to first circle. And that's that radical honesty and a willingness to be courageous enough to ask for help. Yeah. And I, and that's where I was going to go is that um, when we when we get the answer on the on the note card, do not be the hero that says, I can fix this. The best, the yes. best possible thing to do at that moment when you get the answer of what's the source of my suffering is to say, aha, now mm-hmm. it is my responsibility to clean it up. And the mm-hmm. most courageous thing I could do is hire someone who's mm-hmm. walked this path and cleaned it up and can help me walk that path. And, and Wally is certainly somebody who can do that. We've got a free gift for you. Go to goodmoodshow.com and you can instantly download the chapter of his book, Radical Responsibility, where he teaches you how to eliminate victim mentality. Um, You can go to our contact page and we'll send it to you or just uh, sign up for the newsletter and you'll automatically Mm -hmm. get the download. Or you can just reach out to Wally himself. And Wally, I I know that you you offer coaching for salespeople. Uh, Mm -hmm. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how, how could they learn more? Yeah, so thanks thanks for asking that. You know, so the easiest way to and and here's the thing, I just do this because this is the easiest way to do this. And like you, my calendar is, you know, stacked up every day. Just go to triggersalesystem.com and and click on schedule time with Wally. It'll bring up my calendar and you can grab a half hour anytime if it's available, it's yours. And we'll hop on the phone and we'll talk. And look, I'm not gonna listen, it's not about me trying to sell you something. I mean, if it makes sense, we can talk about what I can do to help you overcome something. At the very least, I will help you crystallize what it is that's been keeping you from living the life that you want and and and, and this this unhappiness that is keeping you uh, from living the way you want. But go to triggersalesystem.com and grab a half hour on my calendar. Here's the thing. It's not going away in its own. Okay, we can't be our own coaches. We can't be our own counselors and therapists because we only have one thought process, right? We, we can't solve the problem. And it was like, you know, I, there were so many nights I went to bed waking, I saying, can I wake up tomorrow? Can I be happy? Can I be thinner? Can I have more money? You know, until you work on it, it's not going away and it's just going to get worse, unfortunately. And that's the, the, un, the unresolved mental and uh, mental health issues we have aren't going to get worse and they will lead to anxiety and depression and eventually PTSD in some people. Wally, man, thank you for offering your calendar. If you're listening to the show and, and you want some help, go to triggersalesystems.com and grab some time mm-hmm. with Wally, man. He's got a big yeah. heart. You can, you can see this. I mean, to come on this show and, and be as vulnerable as he's been, has just been a gift. Wally, thank, thank you. you for being here. And, and if you're listening, thank you for investing in yourself. As you continue to brighten up your mood, you are lighting up the world. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Be kind to yourself. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.